Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Joe Lamond, president and CEO of NAM, the National Association of Music Merchants. They'll be talking about the technological advances that have happened as a result of the pandemic, the work that NAM does at the national level to strengthen music programs at the local level, and more. This conversation was recorded November 15th, 2021, and it's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two. Well, Joe, you mentioned a little bit the evolution that the last couple of years have brought on. You know, we've got these tech-savvy students. We've got the the pandemic just kind of seemed to press the fast-forward button on everything. If you had to predict what music education looked like in five years, what do you think it would look like? Well, let's look at some of the things we learned from the pandemic. And I I in no way want to make any assumptions about what each particular area went through. And I know that there were some, some tremendous... Uh, challenge, um, especially in the early days of the pandemic, getting um, shifting to online learning uh, and, and you know individual learning like that. But boy, did we learn a lot, right? We learned that um, you can teach and you can effectively um, keep your program going virtually. And so I think that'll be something that will be. Uh, we won't give that up. I think we'll have an opportunity to take virtual learning and combine it with in-person learning and maybe even have a, you know, a more powerful program. Um, one of the things I thought about is that the idea of a set time from this point to this point, a class, a bell rings, I also think we kind of you know, moved away from that a little bit. I think we're thinking about learning on a 360, you know, as, and maybe that's how students, you know, how as individuals, as humans, we learn. Um, and so I think we'll be more flexible on, on how we approach music and music education from a time perspective. It may not just be this time block. It may be uh, longer in some areas, shorter in some areas. But combine that with virtual learning, and I think we've got the opportunity to advance how quickly someone um, advances up in, into a program. Um, I think we've we, we've, we've knocked down the school walls in some way, <laughs> you know, and the pandemic was probably happening anyway, but the pandemic certainly sped it up. On the other hand, what we learned during the pandemic is that there's no substitute for working together in the same room, being together in an ensemble or, you know, in, in most music uh, to me just, it doesn't, it's not all the way together until it's played live with real people in a group, in a room, or on a field, you know. Um, so to me, uh, it even enforced the idea that while virtual could be effective, and for some kids was very effective, it is no substitute for bringing everyone together to play live music um, with each other. So um, I think we came away from this knowing that um, working together, playing together, uh, that's going to be a, a critical part of music going forward. But I think we did break down some barriers on virtual and using technology to be more effective. There's so many tools to ind- help individuals who are trying to uh, advance quicker or others who are having some challenges. The educator can be a guide. They don't even, they don't even always have to be the teacher. They can be the guide. They can be the conductor to help each individual student find their um, and sometimes co-create their lesson plan. Um, so I think that'll be a, another real 
another real win is that we realize that kids learn individually, teachers can be partners and co-creators of their own curriculum, and then bringing it all together uh, to see how music can truly, you know, be maybe the most unique tool of any um, part of an education, which is kids working together, finding common ground, realizing that that transfers into being a good citizen, <laughs> being a good informed voter, being a good uh, member of, of a community, you know, all those things that I think we actually need a lot more <laughs> if you look around uh, the headlines right now. Um, maybe you need that more than ever. What we learn in a music program is going to help us get this society back together again. Definitely a renewed appreciation for all of those things. So a lot of new tools in the toolbox, but you're right. It just reiterated um, the importance of, of playing music together, yeah. you know, making music together. We missed it. We really did miss it. I, I could see it uh, everywhere I've been in the last few months. I, I'm starting to see a lot more um, school music programs coming out and playing together. And I can just, you can feel the euphoria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bands of America uh, was last weekend in, in Indianapolis, and, and Mary Lewison, who's the head of our foundation, gave a report. She just said there was a a pent-up euphoria after not many of these bands not having seen each other in, or, or performed in, in a couple of years uh, or two years. And she just said it's, uh, it, was, it was magic, maybe more valued and appreciated than ever, people yeah. coming together to play music. So in continuing kind of just this reflection and looking ahead, you know, of course, NAM and a lot of about what, what you do at the, with NAM is, is at the federal level, and you touched on that. And, of course, we see some big victories over the past decade, um, you know, with the No Child Left Behind and then, you know, really with the Every Student Succeeds Act where we saw music listed as part of a well-rounded education what's next? I mean, I know that wasn't the end zone. That was just really another data point and an ongoing trend line. What's next in that, in that advocacy conversation? And then what role can music educators play both, you know, nationally or locally? Yeah, it all, it all really is local, isn't it? I mean, at at the end of the day, it's all about keeping a, a local program in a community strong. Um, the language we've fought for, the funding in different um, you know, elements of the federal budget that we fought for, those were st- strategic moves to help state and local, uh, you know, different districts direct funding or direct emphasis. Um, the language at the federal level, I think, is a, is a, it's a, it's a, people look at the way the flag is waving. If there's language in that it supports music and arts as a core subject, I think that it means a lot just as a, as a symbolic, even though, you know, we know the federal funding in, in education system is a, is such a, is a much smaller part of the overall pie, but it would be missed if it wasn't there. So, I mean, they say that it's only whatever, seven or 8% of the overall music ed- or school budgets come from the federal government. Try and replace that seven, eight percent locally. You need it. And so the feds do have some, some pretty big sway. And in, in when they put language together that supports that well-rounded education, and then, of course, funding in the, the titles where the most underserved districts really are, 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 are given extra uh, support to try and I – mean, that whole goal of, of these titles within the education is to try and equalize the communities that have and, and those that have not uh, from, the, um, from the financial standpoint. So having that, that um, money flowing into those different areas that can be used for music and arts – those are very strategic moves. Um, 
And so, as we talked about earlier, the advocacy work is to make sure we don't ever slide backwards, but to, to go stronger into the role. And we, we know, understand, and we learn more every year about the role of music and its ability to, um, to help schools succeed, recognizing that. And so um, I think advocacy going forward is maybe going to go into the, the tougher areas where they need it the most. Um, there's been some areas where very little advocacy is needed because of the support already. They have to keep it up so they don't lose it. But I think there's, um, there's a real quality issue here. It's a kind of the, um, it's where our country is moving, that we see the inequality, and we're becoming less and less satisfied with it. And I think the idea of advocacy moving into um, making sure that our vision true that every child has access to music and arts education is probably where the next five years are going to be, is, is addressing that head-on, that that is not true, that there are places in this country that every child does not have access to quality music and arts education program and trying to focus on those areas. And again, run through the ask why five times. Why not? Why are some of these areas so, why is it so difficult to get a program or if you, you know, get a very dedicated teacher who just through sheer force of will creates a program, why is it so tough to sustain them? And I think the advocacy movement will be um, to be focused more on how can we achieve that goal of every child having access. But, uh, um, but making sure we don't move backwards either. In the, you know, as we all move into the metaverse, you know, where does live music <laughs> and music education play into that? Um, my crystal ball has been in the shop for actually since the pandemic came out. So I really don't have a good view of the next few years. All I know is we've got to, you know, stay in that, stay at that table, whichever level we're at, local, state, federal, international, we have to stay at that table uh, as these big changes come down the pike if we want to truly achieve our vision. Well, it's going to be interesting because I, I completely agree that, that there's going to be a huge advocacy push um, because I see a lot of the data collection taking place, whether it be through you know NAM or what Quadrant Research is doing or through the CMA Foundation. And we're just seeing a lot of people collecting data, trying to get to that root why and better understand it. So I suspect as we uncover and learn that, that the advocacy messaging will become more clear. Well, uh, I mean, it kind of like, you know, we always, you and I joke a lot about, I'm an end zone guy. I mean, what's the goal? I need no end zone, you know. And, you know, it, it, it really came down to just the most simple thing. Maybe it's the drummer in me, but we have one simple job, which is to get more to start playing music and fewer to quit. I mean, could it be that simple, actually? You know, get more kids playing music and fewer of them dropping out. More to start, fewer to quit. You know, it, it sounds simple now when you start trying to address those whys why don't more start? Why haven't we been able to recruit and get to the level that we feel achieves our, our vision of every child? And then why do some start drop out? And why do some start and enjoy it for, for enjoy the heck out of it for a short period of time or some years and then stop as they get older or progress into high school or college? Those are all great questions. And if we're curious and good archaeologists, we're going to get to the bottom of it. But to me, the end zone is really simple. We got to get more people starting to play music and we've got to get fewer of them to quit and it sounds so mercenary you know and, and i don't mean it to sound that way um you could argue hey we're in the music products business and if that happens people will buy more stuff and it's like yeah yeah i guess that'll happen but if that was our motive 
If that's really what our motive is in all this, I'd rather be parking cars, really. You know, and that's with no disrespect to people who park cars. I'm just saying we're devoting our life's energy to this, and more to start, fewer to quit to me isn't about growing an industry. It's about it's about solving some of the big human problems uh, people, you know, we're having in our in our world and in our society. And the fact is, we think music is a big part of the solution. The things that are wrong with this with this little planet of ours right now. So, more to start, fewer to quit is a life's work. Um, and, and, you know, it, it helps serve a lot of these things, but most importantly, it helps serve a generation of kids who have access to music education. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. I, I snicker a little bit because, you know, very fortunate, and, and maybe you've had a different example, uh, very fortunate to meet a lot of people in the industry and across the industry. Not sure I've met any of them that decided to do this for the money, yeah. but a lot of them that decided to do it just simply because they love music. It made a difference in their lives. They go home from work and they yeah. play their guitar or their yeah. trumpet or their drums. They just love it. Yeah. And so here we are. There's a lot of um, a lot of fields that I just wonder of, 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 and it's a big, broad world and people do all kinds of things, but you, know, you can tell someone who has found their passion and has you know, found a way to make that their life. And then you can tell those that um, that don't, and to me, there's a huge gulf between them and their and and, and those who have found their their true calling. Um, and if you have a choice, and technically, I guess we all do, um, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you pursue something that you actually love, have a passion for, and feel can have an impact in the world? Um, I think you know, someone in a uh, a music classroom every day has the ability to change a life, and if um, What's our friend Mark Goff up at uh, Pages Music always says, you know, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's all wet, you know? <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I have heard him say that. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, what, what's going on right now at NAMM that may be of interest to the music education community? And, and where can our listeners find out more? You know, it's an interesting time for us. Um, I've I've wrestled with this challenge for a long time, and I, I was just literally at this meeting I had a few hours ago talking about that. Where I've had groups come in to of groups of music uh, educators, and and then our our members, NAM members, the the industry, you know, people from manufacturing and retailing, and there's been these great debates about you know the music education community should be more like this or or they'll say that you and the music instrument side should be more like this and and there's these debates because I've always wondered why is there this gap between us right sometimes there is um, and we're having one of these conferences and and uh, Sam Hope who was the leader of the National Schools of Music NASM for a very long time wonderful man he's listening to this going back and forth and he he basically realized he said that the educators he described them. You're like this. You're motivated for this, and 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 that's what makes you a great music educator. To these side of the table, picture in your mind a big table, and there's educators on one side and industry on the other. And he looks over at the industry people and says, "Okay, I get you. You're motivated by this, and this is describes your 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 world and your life. And yes, you're very different from music educators, but you both need each other, and." The real challenge, this is Sam's perfect, uh, came back to me today in this meeting. He said, quit trying to change each other into the other. Quit trying to make the educators more like the industry and quit trying to make the industry more like the educators. Realize you're different. Embrace the difference 
and realize you both need each other to to be successful and to to actually achieve what you're trying to achieve. And so to me, it's been a real kind of a, a challenge. How do I continue to bring all these groups together, recognizing their differences and, re- and respecting and celebrating their differences? Well, this past board meeting, we actually, f- the culmination of years and years of work, we're going to expand our membership categories. And our membership categories within NAM are, are going to now expand in two key areas. One, the touring and event um, production and all the people involved in live theater, um, touring, um, all the, the so many places where NAM members would be involved, but we stopped short of joining that whole field, the live music and event technology. So that's one area there, change their bylaws that they can now be a part of NAM. And the second is music educators. And the reason we want to do this is so that we can bring music educators and NAM members closer together, realize we have this common mission and vision of a world, and that we can, while celebrating our differences, acknowledge the fact that we are absolute partners in moving forward in this vision. So, you know, it may take years. It'll probably start slow. I think we have 3,000 music educators coming to the NAM show now. We have a whole track called Music Education Days and the Grand Rally for Music Education. So we're basically, you know, righting a wrong, which is those 3,000 should have been members all the time. They've been with us, and they're, you know, they're a big driving part of, of informing our decisions, too, as where NAM goes and how we advocate. Will that grow to 30,000 someday, 50,000 someday? I don't know, probably not in my time. But the reality is we have, in NAM's 120-year history, we made a dramatic shift, which is now we're going to recognize that we need all these people if we're all going to grow and be successful together so that we are making them legitimate members have the ability to join them now. So like I say, I think the the thousands that are coming to the NAM show now, they're in. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'll be able to, you know, they'll be card-carrying members of NAM now. And if it grows, I think our industry will be stronger. Not everyone agrees with that, and I understand. But to me, this is a time to work in collaboration. This is a time to work. This is no time to put up silos, for sure. I know that. The world is knocking down walls. The world is knocking down barriers. The only places walls are going up is where there's trouble. And I think if we're going to solve them, we need to break them down. So I guess that would be kind of the, the thing we've been working on. And I do believe it's a, an important part of, of our growth and where, where we go as a society working together to make sure music and arts programs are strong. I think that's fantastic, and I'll be the first to admit that I did not know that that change was going to take place, but, uh, man, I think it's a wonderful idea because back to the simplicity of the conversation, more to start, fewer to quit, and who are the parties around the table that need to be a part of that conversation? Let's get them at the table. So absolutely love that idea. That's great, Joe. Well, Joe, as we approach the 60-minute mark here, do you have just any closing thoughts or final advice that, that you want to offer to our listeners? Ah, the time for drummer wisdom, eh? Sure, why not? <laughs> drummer wisdom. Well, that's, a, you know, at the drum solo at the concerts, that's when people run for the concession stand or to the bathroom. bathroom. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, life is short, right? And I just think to be a music educator, there's no one that has more of our respect than them. And is it easy? No. Do they every day get up and just 
feel that urge. I can't wait to. No, <laughs> but what they do matters, and in a way that maybe takes a lifetime to understand. And and so you know the the message I have just is, you know, keep learning, keep finding that inspiration. Do not. Do not let the system get you down. <laughs> the system can be soul-killing. I know it, and I've seen it, and the, the statistics you know, back it up. Do not let the system bring you down. Do not lose that. Let the kids in your program and their smile and their lives change be the thing you measure your life against um, because, at, again, at the end of it, that will be the most valuable treasure you could ever have is that you've impacted lives, you've changed lives for the better, you've maybe saved lives, um, and that is, to me, a, a life worth living. So, um, yeah, I would just say you have our respect. Uh, we we, we want to support you in any, in any way we can, uh, but... Never, never doubt what you're doing has impact. And, uh, you know, the system is the system. <laughs> Don't let it get you down. Remember what you always loved about this, which was the music and, and you know, why we all, at the base of the tree, we're all loving, we all love music and are passionate about it. So, Absolutely. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. I mean, that, of course, it's public now, but you have announced your retirement here in the future. And just um, I, I know the whole NAM uh, community and everybody is so appreciative of the leadership that you uh, have, have lent to our industry, to the music education. You have advanced music education through your leadership and uh, everything that NAM's been able to accomplish. So thank you for everything you've done. Nick, it's been a pleasure, and uh, it's not over yet. We have, we have, we have a lot of work to do. That's right. <laughs> Together. <laughs> That's Joe Lamond, president and CEO of NAM, talking with Nick Averwater. After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators is presented by Amro Music. This podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear more conversations at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, Hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.